Hey, hello. How are you? This is a show for everyone else. Instead of going after top 1% of the world, we dedicate this podcast to celebrate the lives of the unsung heroes and self-made artists. So how do you go about, you mentioned, I mean, you brought a lot of the team members, um, I mean, with you, and they, I'm sure they reached out to you and, and are thrilled to continue working with you. What is that outreach process like? Do you do that yourself personally, or do you have a, a per- person, a team of people doing that uh, outreach? I do the show booking myself. And the reason is because this is an, it's an aggressive, tenacious position where if I were to hire it out, that person would probably be they would they would be well into the six figures and i know other show booker, bookers that do really really well like tom billu has a show booker who's just awesome but he's well compensated from what i understand and additionally he has the same problems that i do you know you you rely on your network you've got a lot of people turning you down all the time it's a full-time job to go after a lot of these folks and get them booked on the show and I just wanted to make sure that I was going after the best of the best of the best. And the way to do that is for me to go about this personally. Now, at some level, at some day, would I want to outsource this? Yeah, probably. But I'm not under the impression that I can outsource this to somebody for 30, 50, 60 grand a year. In fact, I know other podcasters and not even podcasters, actual show hosts that have producers that have spent, and I won't mention their name, another enormous podcast spent upwards of 60 grand for a three-month contract with a show booking agency and they got him zero guests. So, because I asked him, I said, how are you booking your guests? And he goes, I'm doing it myself. I said, oh, you know, aren't you going to outsource this? You're Mr. Outsource everything. Um, and he goes, I tried. Here's what happened. And I heard that story and he goes, yeah, it's just not worth it. You know, it's just not happening. And um, so that kind of thing is honestly really irritating to hear because I would love to be able to get, take this off my plate, but it's it's um it's honestly it's impossible. It's just it's just so hard. Uh, I know I agree with you. I think the message, the invitation, has come through uh, sounding like you, and when that's the case, it pretty much has to be you, and nobody will want that guess as much as you do. And for listeners who are not podcasters, it's not just the initial email, but there's the follow-up, there's rescheduling, there's uh, providing additional content sometimes. And um, I remember when I reached out to Krista Tibbet, I just love her entire presence. And it literally took five to six times of rescheduling. And then um, at the time, I only had, I don't know, I you know was nobody and had maybe a dozen episodes. And um, she was absolutely lovely to talk to. And my time was cut down from 60 minutes to 30. You had to rearrange the structure. It was just so much work. So uh, I admire the fact that, you know, you're doing so much of this. I'm, and I'm so glad, you know, Jen has been, I'm not sure if you go by Jen or Jenny. She's such a trooper too. Yeah, she really is. She's very tenacious, you know, and she's she's good at this. But The other thing is, even though Jen is probably the only person that I could have on that would care as much as me about getting the right kind of guests on the show, you also have to have a salesperson doing this because it's not just reaching out to somebody and then making sure you're keeping track of that. It's about 
tenaciously going after it and using a little bit or a lot, frankly, of you have to really sell the idea. You know, you'll reach out to somebody six, seven times, they'll ignore you five of the times, reply twice. And you have to be able to build urgency. You have to be able to build almost like a funnel of getting that guest on the show and saying things like, hey, here's why this has to happen earlier. Or if you know, you might have a guest that continually punts and says, oh, sorry, it didn't happen. Oh, sorry, you missed the media window. Oh, sorry, we can't get this going. Sorry, we have to reschedule this. You have to have a sales mentality and say, oh, I was really looking forward of, to putting this person next to these other three people that I have being booked on the show. Like in convincing that assistant and sort of charming them in a way and be, getting them to like you and go, okay, you know what? You seem cool. I'm going to do this. And Jen's good at that naturally, but it's also a really hard skill set to tap into for anyone. And so it, it really is tough. It's a sales skill set. And so you have to hire a salesperson who, frankly, if they weren't booking shows, could be selling anything and making a lot of money. So you can't pay someone even 50, 80 grand to do it. They're just not going to be able to do it. You have to have somebody who already has a network. And if they don't have a network, you have to give them access to yours. And then you have to brand them as important enough to reply to. And then they have to get after it. And then you better hope they don't find a job selling cars because they can make more than you're paying them. You know, So you've got to have a six-figure budget. And you have to be really good at hiring to get that off your plate. So I do that for now. And I don't know when or if I'll ever be able to get rid of that. So, wow, I, you're giving away a lot of really, really great information and tactics to um, now a lot of podcasters who are listening to the show. I wonder in terms of uh, like outreach, do you, I mean, for people you don't know personally, obviously not like James Altucher and these guys, do you have to go to their website and send an email to info at, I mean, how do you strategically go about getting to the right person with the decision makers? Yeah, really, you really needed to get a warm intro. Uh, and what that means is having somebody introduce them to you, basically encouraging slash forcing them to reply. Um, and you can't just reach out. Sure, you can get a really good relationship with a certain publicist, publisher, PR person, whatever. But you have to be able to reach out. Like if I reach out to... Oh man, let me find an example. If I reach out to a doctor and they're like, I don't know, I'm really busy. What I want to do then is look them up on social media. Okay, they know these three other doctors. Oh, they're in this other group of authors. Then I know some authors from that group. I reach out to those people and I'm like, hey, do you know this person? Do you know that person? Um, do you know this particular author? Do you know that particular author? Do you know this particular speaker? And then I ask for warm introductions from those people and of course, they will only do that if I already have a good relationship with them. So you really are relying largely on your network for every single one of these things. And then by the time you get a warm intro, you don't ask for like seven warm intros at once or anything, but you know you get a warm intro and if it works, you're good to go, right? You, and that person will more than likely reply to that particular person because they're friends already or they have a connection. If they don't, then you ask for a warm intro from somebody else. And if that person gets enough warm introductions, you might hopefully find one person or so that they're actually really interested in replying to. And at that point, at that point, you finally 
get a response from them. And then maybe that answer is even no, but then at least they had the courtesy to reply. Does that make sense? So half the time you're fighting, 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 fighting. And the answer you get is, sorry, I can't even do this. Sorry, I can't do this. And that's actually totally fine. It's not about getting a yes, it's getting a definitive answer. And even when you get a no, you have to then fine tune again your sales skill set and say, great, okay, so you said no. Is this a no for a reason? Like you don't do interviews at all? Or is it a no because you're busy this summer and we could do this again potentially in, let's say, the fall, right? You're constantly trying. Is, is it a no or a not yet? You know, it's a really interesting situation. And the problem is you have to consistently get those warm intros and then, yeah, constantly sell it. Yeah. I mean, it's entirely true. One of the reasons why I reached out to David Perkis, who was through an introduction from Stephen Shapiro, who had appeared on the show. And I think uh, as people expand their network, whether through podcasting, once you finally get through to that person, hopefully, hopefully, even though it's not guaranteed, he or she will introduce you to more interesting people. I think for listeners who aren't doing this, who aren't content creators, podcasters, thinking, why is it worth it to you? I mean, but why is it worth it to you, Jordan, to do all this? Uh, I love the conversations. I love teaching the audience these networking, outreach, personal development, body language, neuroscience, productivity, tips, tricks, hacks, mindsets, lifestyle. It's really all interesting to me. So I get to have conversations with great people, keep them interesting, and influence people to actually improve their lives. Because most of the stuff that's online or on TV is just a waste of time. It's like a video game, right? It's entertaining, but you're not really building anything or doing anything. And so for me, it's kind of like figuring out ways to get people to eat healthier, right? I'm not that interested in eating healthier. But, but like for your mind, you know, this is getting people to eat healthier. It's like, oh, this is a good show. It's fun. The guests are interesting. Oh my gosh, I learned something. That's why every guest, every interview of the Jordan Harbinger show, we have worksheets. And the worksheets have the takeaways from the guests, the major takeaways anyways, from the guests so that the audience can listen in their car. They don't have to stop and take notes. You can be at the gym. You can listen. And then later on, you go get the worksheet. You fill it out or you go through it mentally and you get the major takeaways. So you get to both learn and you also get to make sure that you are doing what you need to do to move forward. So that for me is super interesting. You know, over time, because when I was an attorney, I didn't get a whole lot of letters that were like, this changed my life, but this show can actually change your life. You know, that's the idea. You learn something, you learn relationship development, you learn nonverbal communication, persuasion, and influence. That stuff will stack up over time and change your life. And that's very important to me. And that's that's another reason why I left my... Well, I should say that's another reason why I left some of the other things I was doing before is because I really want to influence and help people. And that, that was no longer the primary goal of some of the things of the organizations that I was a part of before. It was more about making money. And so for me, look, yes, we have to make money. We have to pay everybody. I get that. But there are ways to do that that are high quality, that are not just like internet marketer BS. And so I'm really a craftsman when it comes to this. And there are better ways to make money, but there's not really much of a better way for me anyway to make an impact. And that's what's more important. Mm-hmm. I get this question a lot because I also like to go after a big variety of people, like people from all walks of life, artists and and doctors. I try to find and distill 
something that we all have in common, something that's useful and practical for other people. How do you see that in comparison to uh, Pat Flynn, where Pat Flynn likes shows, you know, Smart Passive Income? It's about a single topic. People come here, they know exactly what they're about to get. It's always so incredibly consistent. I guess that's, I'm struggling with that a little bit. Like, find, do I find a niche? Do I, um, or do I make it broad? Yeah, so I would say niche for sure. But the difference is I've just changed niches. So before where it was like, I'm teaching people personal skills, you know, or whatever it was, nonverbal communication, that was sort of a more limited niche of my last endeavor. But now uh, I'm teaching... I, I, I would say my niche now is anything that has to do with psychology or can make you think better or perform better. So I was able to expand my niche a little bit. But again, I don't cover health wellness or finance really i mean i'm i'm doing a show on like prevention of alzheimers and stuff like that with a really cutting edge doctor who's very credible but you know that's kind of the limit of that i also had max lugavier on to talk about um brain health but i really do limit it kind of the brain and that has made things that has made things quite a bit easier for me and i, I think really looking at it, it sort of expanded the niche in that way, but I still have a different niche, right? So it's, people will go, oh, well, you have Ehud Barak on, who's the former prime minister of Israel, and then you have this scientist on, and then you have Adam Carolla on, you're just all over the place. But at the end of the day, you're, the niche is you're going to learn something from these people. You're going to take something away that's going to improve who you are, what you do, how you run yourself, run your business. It's not just like any random thing that I'm interested in. And I do occasionally go down different roads. Like I did an episode on money money laundering where this law enforcement individual who also tracks money tied in human trafficking, Russian arms trafficking, and drug trafficking into money laundering and cryptocurrency. And that was super interesting. So that was more of like a, all right, slightly off topic, but you're going to build this crazy awareness of this phenomenon you didn't know existed. That still captured the imagination and the attention of this great audience that loves learning and moving forward. It's just that I'm not talking about how to make more money online. Or I'm not... To, and not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just that I want to attract a broader niche of smart, educated professionals. I'm not just trying to sell products and services to them. And again, I'm not saying that that's what Pat's doing or anything like that. But at the core, his business is here's a bunch of stuff that's going to help make your podcast or business better. So it's better for him to do that as lead gen. But for me, yes, it's lead gen for advanced human dynamics, our live courses and our networking courses. But I'm creating products that my audience wants. I'm not creating an audience for my products. So I'm creating the audience first based on what I love talking about doing and discussing and teaching. And then I'm creating products that that audience wants and needs. Whereas... A lot of times, what I think people do is they have a product, they have an internet-based business, then they create a podcast that helps generate leads for that specific course or offering. Then in that case, you want a stronger, tighter niche because you're not trying to be an interviewer. Whereas I'm, I'm an interviewer, right? I'm trying to create like a media outlet. And then I sell products and services to that audience based on the things that they tell me they want and need. So does, does that difference make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense. I, I do see what you uh, mentioned as people first have a product, have a brand, and then all of a sudden they have this podcast to sort of 
almost like a marketing engine to support just that. find um, interesting is, you know, like I I run a mastermind group. I belong to a couple of other groups as well. And your name came up several times, and I'm sure some of them have already reached out to you to put you on a show. Um, generally speaking, uh, to reach out to people like yourself, who I consider as tier one, tier two influencers, what do you want these podcasters to do first, like homework and how they approach you? Because I know it can get so overwhelming and sometimes it's not always a good experience for you or sometimes even for them um, because they don't understand how to really approach um, the experience. So could you maybe give some advice on that? Um, Yeah, for me, it's really... It comes down to... Especially lately, it's about relationship, but it's also about the numbers because I've done so many appearances. You know, before I was doing a lot of different appearances for fun. If the if the concept sounded interesting, I would do it. But now I have to be a little bit more careful with my time because I've spent. I I did the math, and it's something like I'm spending something like five six hours per week doing other people's shows, which is is like a lot. You know, that's like an entire day of productive uh, productivity, productive work time. And I have to be really careful because now I've got my live events coming up with Advanced Human Dynamics. We're shooting a product. The Jordan Harbinger show is really expanding. We're releasing an app that's for learning. You know, So I have to bide my time a little bit and spend my time a little bit differently. But I would say the more someone is interested... See, pitches that I think are terrible are things that say, Hi, I'm the producer of this podcast. Will you come on the show? That's bad. Better is, Hi, I'm the producer of this podcast. We have these numbers. We're wondering if you'd want to come on the show. That's okay. Better than that is, Hi, I'm the producer of this podcast. We have these numbers. Here's why you're a fit for the show based on things that you have said, done, or created. So if they're not just carpet bombing and trying to get quote-unquote big names on the show, that helps. Because if they think that getting guests like me is going to help increase the popularity of their show, I'm generally not that interested. Because I'm not really in the business of creating other people's shows making it popular. Like it doesn't work anyway. Having a big guest on isn't how you get a ton of new listeners. It just doesn't matter most of the time. And so I don't want to have somebody who's going to quit after they find out that building a podcast audience is hard. And those are typically the people that are going after what they consider to be big names. The other thing is creating something that or or being someone's first show. I don't want to do that. You know, so it has to have ROI for the guest. And and I say that just knowing how other guests are too. It's not just me. You know, you have to have something where it's like, okay, what's going to happen is you're going to get exposure to this and it's going to be worthwhile. And he, and here's why you're a good fit. So tailor it, do your homework, and make sure that the numbers add up and make sense. And acknowledge that if they don't make sense, that you're okay getting a no for now. Because there's nothing more annoying than somebody who feels entitled to your time. And for those people, I just say no, and I never entertain a pitch again, even if it comes a year later. Right. 
There was an article I stumbled upon recently, I think it was written by Ryan Holiday, and it was very controversial in a way, but that's basically what that guy's all about. Anyway, the title, I mean, it left me sort of that mixed feeling. The title, I, I forgot exactly what it was, but something like, for the love of God, please do not start another podcast. So... Yeah, based on one of our conversations, actually, that I had with him, yeah. Oh, no way. Um, yeah, yeah. So my point of view, and I, I actually discussed some of that with uh, the mastermind group that I have for podcasters only, and um, definitely had very sort of mixed reviews, and um, and I, w- I know it was written by him. So one of the things, for example, I struggled with, and I want to hear your point of view, is that the examples that Ryan used are very much like the NPR and the the tier one shows, why they're high quality, you know, takes so much money. And but but maybe he misinterpreted what your what your conversation is about. So that left me feeling slightly puzzled to think that what what is the real message then? That if you don't have a kick-ass show that's already popular and loved by everybody. Like, what's the point of even starting that? Um, So... Yeah. So my message there was most people starting podcasts, they don't actually care about having a good conversation with the guest. They want to network, which is... I guess I understand that. That makes sense. I can appreciate that. But it's a waste of the guest time most of the time because there's no real audience in it. And maybe the guest doesn't care, but let's admit it. They're under the impression that the conversation is going somewhere if they showed up for the interview. So most people will stretch the truth and they'll say, oh, this is happening and this is happening and this is the traffic and this is who listens. And they don't really know. So they're sort of duping people into having a conversation so they can increase their network. That's the first group. And they're not evil people or anything. It's just, it's sort of one of the ideas behind starting a podcast. The massive, the huge group of other people wanting to start a podcast they're not doing it because they want to have high-quality conversations with people. They're doing it because they want to build an audience. And they want to be an internet thought leader or influencer. And again, inherently nothing really wrong with it, but podcasting is like the worst way to build a large audience quickly. It's terrible. YouTube, Instagram, anything else is going to be easier and faster to build an audience. But most people will say, I don't even care who listens. I don't care. I'm just in for the conversations. I'm learning so much. I get that. But what is your audience, if any, getting from this? Is your audience small? If so, you're sort of burning the guest. If your audience is not small, then you're maybe you're burning the, the audience a little bit, right? Like It just sort of depends. And I'm not saying that about everybody by any stretch. What I mean is that most people who say they want to start a podcast because they want to network are not telling the truth. And most people who say they want to start a podcast because um, they don't care who listens, they just want the conversations, they're not telling the truth either. So really what they're saying is that they're doing, they're willing to start this project and in a way deliberately clutter the marketplace, mislead people, whatever you want to call it. And they harbor this secret fantasy that eventually it's going to work out. And I tell people this. And when I give talks about this, there's a couple of people in the room that come up and say, I'm so glad I came to this because I'm an author and all my friends are like, you have to have a podcast and I really don't want to do one, but I feel like I have to. So that article, or at least that talk, I should say my talk is geared towards those people. And then there's another group of people that say, look, I understand all your points, but I honestly, I don't even care. I just love talking to people. I love 
serving my niche, my audience really is into it. Those people aren't going to stop because of what I said. And those are exactly the type of people that should be doing a podcast. So the people who are in a group like yours probably is largely made up of people that should be podcasting. That are like, I don't care what this guy says. I like doing it. I have a diehard but small fan base or a large fan base. And I don't care that this guy doesn't think I should do it because he thinks my creative work sucks. Like, screw him. you know. And that's fine. Those people should do a podcast. But for all of those people, there are hundreds. For each of those people, I should say, there are hundreds of people that go, I'm going to start a podcast because I want to be important and an influencer. And then I'm going to start a mastermind group. And the mastermind group is going to be a bunch of people that listen to my podcast. And I tell them I'm going to tell them how to make money online, even though I don't make any money online. And I'm going to teach them how to be coaches, even though I'm not... You know, It's just a freaking circle jerk. And so that's why I don't think people... Most of those people should do podcasts because a lot of them don't care at all about the audience. They don't care at all about the show craft. They're just trying to build an audience for the sake of building an audience so that they can later market to that audience. It's really all it is. It's ego and they see money. So those folks shouldn't do it. And they're not... Most people aren't going to do a good job. That's the other thing. They're not going to do a good job. They're going to create 13 episodes statistically. They're going to create 13 episodes, get 109 downloads, and then quit. And why do that if you don't really want to do a show for the right reasons? If you would do a show even if nobody listened, go ahead and do it. But don't be like, yeah, but it's secretly people are going to listen to mine because I'm going to be better than... No. If you do it when nobody was listening, then go ahead and do it. If you're secretly harboring this fantasy that you're going to be great at this and it's going to make you famous or rich, you should just do something else. You should do a YouTube channel. You should do social media. You should blog. It's so much easier. It's easier to outsource. It's more scalable. And that will get you where you want to go faster. So this is kind of like... People, you know, those writers that are like, writing is a disease. You can't stop doing it. Those are the people that should be writing, just like podcasting. If you really just love it, you would do it when you're tired. You'd, you'd do it with no matter who you were talking to, you know, who's listening out there, you would still do it. Then you should be doing this. You're cut out for this. But don't do it. Don't do it because you think you're going to be a thought leader, because chances are you're just going to waste your time and everyone else's. And in the meantime, you have to deceive guests and market to all your friends. It's like an it's like a multi-level marketing thing. You know, it's just you're going to annoy a bunch of people and then you're going to quit. That's all there is. Right. Oh, that's a, such a you said it so much better than I think what Ryan put in the article. Again, reading and listening, having a conversation is different. I agree. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, Adam said the same thing. If you are planning on going to medical school, if some one person talks you out of it, or, you know, or just an article says that you shouldn't, you probably shouldn't anyway. Um, fascinating. So um, I want, if possible, I would love for you to talk about some of the new things you're doing, uh, a course product, I think you mentioned very briefly, and and how people could learn more about that. Sure. So, so I'm having a live event. The first one is actually in August, but I'm going to be having these regularly, hopefully. AdvancedHumanDynamics.com is where there will soon be more information about that. And that really is like body language, nonverbal communication, counter-influence, counter-manipulation, negotiation, uh, personal branding, network infiltration, networking in general, de-escalating emotional situations, 
a lot of different scenarios and drills and exercises along with the networking stuff that I teach. That's at advancedhumandynamics.com. And that's the live course. It'll be in Las Vegas. And we'll be doing those hopefully pretty regularly. And also, we have an online course that is free that is all about networking, relationships, and outreach. Also at advancedhumandynamics.com slash level one. Or go to advancedhumandynamics.com and just click on level one. And of course, you're listening to a podcast. So if you've enjoyed any of the practical exercises or you love interviews with great people, check out the Jordan Harbinger show. And I would love to count some of you as new fans. Absolutely. Hi there, it's me again. I want to thank you very much for listening to this episode, and I hope you were able to learn a few things. If you enjoy what you heard, it will be hugely helpful if you could subscribe to the Face Royal podcast. It literally takes seconds. If you're on your mobile phone, just search for Face Royal podcast in the podcast app on iPhone or an Android app such as Podcast Addict and click subscribe. All new episodes will be delivered to you automatically. Thanks so much for your support. Thank you.